I'm Charlie Wilmot. I'm David Todd. And welcome to the Bucks Dugout Podcast. Welcome to the Bucks Dugout Podcast. He's Charlie Wilmoth. I'm David Todd. Charlie, for a team that's 15 games over 500, which has been a rarity in the past 20 years, and in fact, it's never happened, the fan base is very nervous. One of the reasons they're nervous, the quote-unquote ace of the staff is struggling. James McDonald, a really tough outing yesterday. Since his 122-pitch complete game on June 21st, Charlie, seven starts, 40 and a third innings, 42 hits, 26 walks, 32 Ks, nine homers, a 602 ERA, not very good. How stressed are you about James McDonald? I'm stressed, but before we get into that, let's let's be clear that this is still a good situation. Being 15 games above 500 at this point in the year is still really exciting, and, and we don't want to look past that and, and uh, think the sky is falling just because a couple things are going wrong. That said... You know, the you would like. Well, <laughs> I I don't know about that. I mean, I, I mean, there are definitely some things about about which we should be nervous. And James McDonald, I think, is is definitely one of them. The statistics you already mentioned, and just you know, yesterday in his start against the Astros, it just looked like he had nothing really. His fastball velocity last year uh, averaged 92.7 miles an hour. I don't, I'm not sure I saw any pitches above 92 yesterday, and I saw a lot of fastballs that were down around 89, 90. I'm not sure he can be effective at that velocity, and you know it's it's worrisome. And I think that if there's a way he can get a couple days off, whether that's readjusting the rotation a little bit to go along with the off day on Thursday or something else, the Pirates really need to consider that. Unfortunately, their their August schedule is so brutal in terms of the number of games played that they have a limited amount of flexibility that way. So, I would say yeah, right now his performance is, is really problematic and it, it worries me. Charlie, you in the write-up yesterday, you wrote about how, you know, you could second-guess or maybe first-guess at the time is a better way to put it, uh, when McDonald was in trouble earlier in the game, that probably he should have come out. I, I guess it was the fourth and he came out for the fifth. And, and you know, it, it has appeared at times that Clint has managed to get uh, pitchers five innings and an opportunity for a win. He had the bizarre comment about Eric Bedard. Uh, the other day about he would have batted either way with the idea that if he was ahead, he wouldn't have come back out. And if he was behind, he was going to come back out, obviously, to get the win. We've seen him push guys to for two complete games. And I didn't really have a problem with his 122 pitch outing. But is that something to point to in hindsight? Or do you think that's more coincidence? I, th- I think it's it's possible that it is. I mean, I think that there have been a couple instances this year where where McDonald has been out there too long. I, I don't I can't remember having had a problem with the 122 pitch outing at the time and you know McDonald's 2027 and and is is kind of past the point where you really need to baby him right. a whole lot with his arm. Um, but it, at this point I think you can look at it and say you may be leaving him in there too long. Uh, I, I think that's totally fair. And, you know, the the 26 walks in the last 40 innings is very disconcerting, as is the nine home runs. So uh, is he a guy who can get by with a 91-mile-an-hour fastball? I mean, he does have, you know, his curveball's been good. He's moved away from his slider. He is a guy who has, you know, three major league pitches. Um, But, yeah, the key is to be able to go up in the zone with that fastball as well and and be able to throw at 93, 94 uh, at times. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. It's definitely worth watching. And it all ties into this, what's happened here with the Pirates starting rotation really since the All-Star break. And, and I, we haven't been on since the uh, 
Uh, we actually did. We came on right after the, the uh, Wandy Rodriguez tra trade and, and commented on that. And he didn't have a great outing, but I think he's a guy that Pirates know he's going to take the ball every fifth game the rest of the way. I think A.J. Burnett's going to take the ball every fifth game the rest of the way. And assuming Carstens is healthy, he's probably going to take the ball every fifth game. And now the issues are Bedard and, uh, and McDonald. And, of course, with the trade, Correa's moved to the back, to the bullpen. And, you know, a storm of kind of chaos has ensued. And I've spent the last hour on Twitter. And, and it's the, the this commentary on Twitter is somewhat uh, engaging. And, and I guess uh, I'll let you fire away since I felt like I fired away a fair bit on Correa's reaction to his move to the bullpen. I can't I can't blame him for the way he feels. You, you, you want an athlete to feel like he deserves to be in the rotation if he's a starting pitcher. That's that's probably a good thing. However, the way he's voicing it is a problem to me. You know, they're in the middle of a pennant race. He probably I don't I can't blame him for feeling bad, but at some point I think he needs to shut up and and continue to pitch because you know he's still on the roster, and if he's still going to be on the roster, the Pirates need him to pitch well. Yeah, I mean, here's the deal, and what you you said it just right. You want every athlete to want to compete to do the best he can. Kevin Cray is in a situation, for those who aren't exactly familiar with the contract status, where his contract's up at the end of the year and he's going to be a free agent. The Pirates aren't going to bring him back. So his concern is he wants to perform for the rest of the year as a starter. That's the role he sees himself in. And, you know, show to other teams that he's worth a big contract. Now, there are a couple things here. One is that's great, as you said, that he wants to compete and, and contribute the way he thinks he can contribute best. The fact that he feels dissed about uh, going to the bullpen, I don't know if he's going to look realistically around at the other five guys. I don't expect him to just agree he's the sixth best, but he is the sixth best. And and uh, the, the the idea that he and, – and this started with Tom Singer mentioning that he wants a trade. And Tom went up and asked him, I guess, and, and he and I spoke on Twitter yesterday morning, and basically Tom said he didn't come and tell me he wanted a trade. I asked him about a trade. And he said, yes, I want to start, et cetera, et cetera. So it wasn't Kevin Craig going to the media. But the answer to that is, sure, I want to start. I'm, you know, there are 100 better ways to handle it. I, I, no comment. You know, I haven't thought about it enough. Uh, you know, the, you know I, I don't know. But there are 100 ways better than to say, yeah, I want to trade. Because that's not going to play well in the clubhouse. Right. No, it, 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 it isn't at all. Um, you have to wonder if it's also going to affect Correa's uh, pitching or if it already has affected Correa's pitching at this point. You know, the funny thing is he's not going to get a big contract at the end of the year, but it's not because he got bounced to the pen. It's because he's not very good. And, right. it, and I, I was actually wondering, Charlie, I was talking with Pat, uh, Pat Lackey of Y Gabs and, and, uh, on Twitter, and I said, you know, there's almost a, he, you'd almost want to have a sense that, you know, this is the last view he gives people as a starter, leave the impression, wow, the last six starts in the majors were really good. You know, maybe this is guy. I, I see he's a guy who could get a one-year, $2 million deal, maybe a $3 million deal, but I, I also wouldn't be shocked if he went to a camp on a minor league contract where he would get, you know, a million five with maybe some incentives. So, so, yeah, I'm with you. He's not getting big money from somebody. Right. And and the, now he has an excuse, right? Now he can now he can blame the Pirates for taking him out of the rotation when in fact, the reason he's not going to get a lot of money is because he's he's not a very good pitcher. One I, I want to drop this in here while we're talking about Correa. Uh, John Heyman sent out a tweet last night. Uh, and I, and I physically wrote it down on paper because I thought that maybe Heyman would wake up with a hangover and and delete it. Um, he said Correa is one of the better pitchers ever bounced to the pen, um, which struck me as such a remarkable comment. 
I, I guess John Heyman went to the baseball reference page and saw Correa was an all-star last year and, and uh, decided that th- that's what he was going to base it on. I mean, you know, uh, who knows? Uh, as I've always said about the national media, the, the caveat that, and, and the break I give them is, you know, in the NFL, you got 32 teams. In Major League Baseball, you got 30 teams. And it's tough to be on top of 30 teams. But it is your job. And the Pirates are a contending team, and they have been a story this year, and he's written about them. And so to think Kevin Correa is a uh, anything more than a league average pitcher, which is above, not, I'm not even saying a replacement level pitcher, which might be what he is, but uh, thinking he's anything more than a league average pitcher is just absurd. Right. So to maybe go on to talk about some pitchers we aren't as concerned about. Well, uh, Charlie, let me just tell you one thing, because we're going to get it. We're here at the trade deadline. I've said repeatedly for months now, and I've had kind of, you know, some people agree, some people disagree. It's a prerogative, but Kevin Cray has no trade value in my mind. He's not going to get traded to a non-contender because a rebuilding team doesn't want him. And I don't see the Pirates making a trade with a contender that would make any sense. Don't you think he has more value to the Pirates, even as a sulking whatever, uh, for a million dollars for the rest of the year as a spot? Even if he gives them, you know, three or two or three spot starts, he's more valuable to the Pirates than what they're going to get in return? I think probably, especially because there's a lot of value right now in keeping Brad Lincoln in the bullpen. And he helps them do that because if there's an injury, uh, you know, they can go to Jeff Locke, of course. But there's not, now that Rudy Owens is gone, there's not a whole lot of depth behind that if you don't include Lincoln. So he does have some value to the Pirates right now uh, as, as depth as opposed to being a rotation guy. I could potentially see them, you know, shipping, you know, they, for example, if the Pirates you know, make a trade with, with a non-contender who ends up dealing a lot of players, they could pot- potentially toss Correa into a deal um, with somebody who's just lost a couple of starting pitchers or something like that in a deal where the, the Pirates are, are, you know, giving up some other talent as well or something. I, I think there's some possibility of him getting traded to a non-contender, but like you said, I don't think he has a ton of value to, to any other contender because most contending teams are there because they've had good you know they've had good pitching. They've had better pitching than Correa. So, um, so I, I'm not sure how much I, you know, you never want to say never, especially when a player is disgruntled. But I, I, I would not be surprised if a trade didn't get done. I'll say never. <laughs> okay. Should we talk about about Wandy Rodriguez's first start and what were your impressions were of that? Yeah, I, uh, I didn't have sound. I was watching it uh, uh, while I was having dinner, and I think. <laughs> I'm sure there were a little bit of butterflies pitching against his team in a park he was familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was entertaining to watch him mutter to himself every time he came <laughs> off the mound. And, and I, I don't really know what that was all about. But, you know, he was up in the zone a little bit. The five walks, a little disconcerting. But he is the guy that I think I knew we were getting. And, you know, I think for the first time out, it was totally fine. I mean, you know, with the caveat of the five walks, you, you don't want to see that. But, I didn't find anything to be particularly surprising. How about you? Well, yeah, I mean, he, he, it seemed like in the first couple innings especially, he was, he was crying. I thought he was kind of trying to go for it with his fastball and get it up into the low 90s, um, which he doesn't typically do all that much, and, and his control suffered as a result of that. Uh, and that's where the walks come from. I'm sure it was partially wanting to impress his new employer, partially the fact that he was pitching to his old team, which was, you know, funny because – the fans at, at Minute Maid Park were just so dead that, you know, he would come to bat and nothing, nothing, uh, I think John Wayner pointed out that nothing was happening. I mean, nobody said anything. Or, right. I mean, nobody, there was no applause. I mean, it was a very strange scene in a way. So I don't think it really mattered a whole lot to the fans, at least. 
that he was out there, but it doesn't really concern me so much going forward. And in fact, it, it makes me even more glad that he's around now that we've seen what we've seen over the past few days. Yeah, good. I, I mean, I agree. I think he, he slots in nicely to the rotation. As I said in the last podcast, I've been a fan. I kind of hoped the Pirates would try to acquire him last year, so all for it. Charlie, the other guy who's the new addition to the team over the past 10 days, uh, and even less than that, is Starling Marte. We happened to be on the phone when uh, he saw his first pitch in the major leagues, and uh, an electrifying debut, certainly, and a good first game where he had another single, and his approach at the plate looked pretty good. He now has, uh, I think, 19 at-bats, uh, 19 at-plate appearances, 18 at-bats, uh, four hits, three strikeouts, I think one walk. If I, if, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but if I remember correctly. But, you know, less dynamic since then. He, a, a good at-bat in the ninth inning where he drove in a run to, uh, with the sacrifice fly that the Pirates won on a, on a wild pitch later in the inning. But what are your first impressions? Hard to really form too much uh, in the first four games. I think he's, he's still a very exciting player. Uh, if anything, these first four games have made me question a little bit whether he should be in the leadoff spot because we've already seen several at bats where he swings on first pitches, and you know you don't want to you don't want to see that so much from a, a player who should be taking more pitches. And we knew this is who he was, of course, but I, I guess I didn't really didn't really think of it. You know, we have also seen him swing at some bad pitches, which we know is going to happen. You know, he was able to get away with it to a degree against the Astros because they're really bad. And of course that swinging at the first pitch thing really paid off on his first at bat. Um, but I wonder how it's going to work against better pitching. Yeah. I look, I, he's going to struggle this year. That's my take. Uh, I, I don't see an on base percentage uh, over 300. Um, he's certainly going to bring value defensively versus what the pirates were going to trot out there. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think he is what I, again, I, I what we've seen is what I've expected to see. So n- not a big surprise there. The trade deadline's tomorrow, Charlie. And the one thing that I've said all along, and I'm laughing because I just pulled up something that was tweeted by your buddy, uh, SBN Nation editor Grant Brisby, and, and he wrote uh, about the move the Pirates should make. And I've said this all along, and I asked Neil about it, and it, there's a tweet out there or something on Major League MLB.com was written, and they talk about dealing Hanrahan for prospects. And whether, you know, one of the deals that, well, let's first get the Marte trade out there. People have talked about this Shinso Chu uh, for Marte. Any thoughts on that? I mean, Chu is a great defensive outfielder. He, he would be a short-term upgrade for sure. But uh, the cost of Marte and six years of cost control obviously is, is exorbitant. Uh, would you even consider that deal? No. And I, and I like Chu a lot, but... But no, I mean, somebody of, of Marte's caliber would just be really hard to trade for a player, I believe, is a free agent after 2013. So, no, I, I, I wouldn't do that, but I don't think you would either, right? No, I'm not doing that trade. I, I do think it would help the team this year. I'm not doing the trade. Right. Uh, but So Grant, he throws out the thing that I've been pounding the table for for a year now, that they should move Joel Hanrahan. And you've written about it. I've written about it. We've talked about it extensively. Uh, at some point, you figured the national media was going to pick up on this. Uh, we've talked about Neil Huntington being fabulously tone deaf, as as somebody said, uh, to, to the uh, fan reaction. There would be huge negative fan reaction to this. What kind of return, Charlie, could Neil Huntington, with any justification, make this deal? I mean, I'm sure he can make up on any kind of justification if he wants to. I think to, to justify it to the fans, he'd have to bring back a player who can help right away. And that's that's where the you know, where it gets tricky. You're looking for a player who is going to be blocked somewhere. 
uh, or something like that, who, who you can slot into the lineup right away. Somebody who's an outfielder or you know a first baseman or something like that, uh, or a shortstop. And you know the number of, of deals like that he's going to be able to to get are are going to be very few, especially because I like I said in the post I wrote the other day, I don't think that most GMs are are going to think that Hanrahan's season is is you know all that appetizing. I mean, somebody who who is supposed to be a high leverage reliever and struggling the way he is um, with his velocity down, you know, with his problems with command this year. I don't know. I mean, I I don't think it'll happen because just the inertia of being a contending team and you know having you know a, a a closer and and how unconventional that would be to trade a closer at this point in the year because of that and because Hanrahan just hasn't been very good and they're unlikely to get great value for him at this point. I yeah, think that keeps us to keep him here. I think there's a a uh, kind of I, I don't know the right term to use this, but there you know. I think fans go out there and they say, well, there are they're, they're 29 other GMs and there are enough dumb GMs out there that a deal gets done. Or, yeah. as Grant says in this article, you know, the market always overvalues closers. Well, I, I, you know, I think that's too bold a statement these days. I think there are not too many dumb GMs out there. And while we've seen relievers be highly valued in the past, I don't know, just like you said, I, I don't know that guys don't have a sense of what's good and what's bad. Now, somebody could look at Hanrahan and see the value there of at a $4 million contract this year. It's just about around a million dollars for the rest of this season. And they go to arbitration with him next year, and it's $7 million. And they may look at that as real value. And I'm not, you know, I'm not arguing that it's not real value. There is value in Joel Hanrahan, whether it's $7 million of value, I don't know exactly, but it certainly is $4 million worth of value the way you were going to take his average performance over the past two years. So there's value there. Are the Pirates, the Pirates aren't going to let him walk next year. They're going to, you know, if they don't trade him, they're going to go to arbitration with him or work out a deal. I don't see them working out an extension for him. But it's an, it would be an incredibly interesting situation. And, yeah, I, like you, don't think the deal probably gets done. I don't think Grant suggesting a deal actually is going to get done. But it's going to be really interesting. I, I think it would probably be the most interesting thing that happens this offseason. And there are a lot of things that are going to happen. But uh, how they deal with Hanrahan, uh, and if it's just let's go to arbitration and pay the $7 million and, and go from there, whether it's trade or, or just have him play out the season. And, and think of it this way, too. Last year, the market for relievers was just genuinely really good. We had uh, the Rangers and a couple other teams really paying through the nose for really good relievers. Hanrahan, at that point, was a really good reliever. The Pirates had a team at that point that they should have been more skeptical of than than they should be about their team now, and they still didn't trade Hanrahan. You know, I think that if if they weren't going to do it last year, then they're not going to do it this year, probably. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's the right thought. And again, to, for me, if they're if you're going to get back a Andrew McCutcheon level talent at Double A, would I make the deal? Yeah, I would make the deal. It's going to create an uproar, and it'll be it'll be evaluated for years to come whether it was the right decision or not. Particularly if the Pirates miss making the playoffs by a game or two. But uh, if you're building you know a long term better team and a better organization, that's the deal you make. Is that going to be on the table? No, no idea. Uh, I, I, I no, I'll, I'll say I'll say no. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, then Charlie, uh, then just flat out, do you think the Pirates get a deal done between uh, here and tomorrow? What time is the deadline? Is it five o'clock? I think it's at three. I'm not sure, but I think okay. it's at three. Uh, yeah, I think they do. Um, I think that that there will be some kind of deal 
for an outfielder uh, or a shortstop simply because the chances for them to upgrade are, are so great. It, by, by doing something for either of those positions, I don't think... Neil Huntington is the like uh, is the kind of GM who likes to stand pat in these kinds of situations. So yeah, I think they do something, whether that's for Shane Victorino or or someone else. Uh, yeah, I think they'll. W- would you make the trade? Uh, I'm guessing we're on the same page here. You're not trading Lincoln for Victorino. Would you move Hughes for Victorino? Yeah, sure, absolutely. I mean the the, you know, I I don't think of of you know who knows, but I don't think of Hughes' upside as being you know, a dominant closer or anything like that. And I think if that's the case, then, you know, middle relievers are fungible. And absolutely, I would I would do that. So look, guys are in on Victorino. It'd be interesting to see if the Pirates are willing to throw in something more uh, in that type of situation. You know, Victor Black is lighting it up down in double A, reliever who throws hard, who has it looks like he has a big future. Would you uh, when I look at those two guys, I, I maybe think now Victor Black is a, a higher. Well, he's a higher ceiling guy probably than Hughes. Uh, would you put in two components in a trade like that? Yeah, I probably would, but I think that if I'm the Phillies and I've got three other teams, I mean, there have been reported that the, the Dodgers and the Giants and the Reds are all involved um, on Victorino. I think that if I'm the Phillies, I can probably get something better than than a major league reliever and a minor league reliever. I mean, I would I would hope to get a position player in that in that case or, or a starting pitcher. So you know, we'll see if if the Pirates have what it takes to get it done, and, and you know, with with something other than. You know, if it's Brad Lincoln and it has the chance to be a, a dominant high leverage reliever, that's one thing. But, you know, if, if you're looking at Jared Hughes and a guy in double A, I think the Phillies can will probably think that they can do better. Yeah, Charlie, my, my argument in this whole thing is uh, the Pirates made a good move in getting uh, Wandy Rodriguez. And for me, again, the issue wasn't uh, 2012, it's 2013 and 2014. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if Neil Huntington has to go the route of Derek Lee and Ryan Ludwig, that's fine. And I think he knows exactly. uh, I I think Neil Huntington has a very good sense of what he wants to do at the trade deadline. And I think his uh, I'd like to think that. Well, let's put it this way. I like the way he's approached it in the past. And so I assume I will like it in the future because he has just been on record as saying for a rental player, he's just not going to give up that much. And the marginal wins for this team aren't that significant. But I will say that as presently constituted, I still don't think this team makes the playoffs. Even though they're 15 games over 500, I think they're the third best team in the National League Central. And, you know, the Cardinals may not pass them, but the Pirates and the Cardinals play each other often enough that they certainly have a chance to, you know, we saw teams come from 10 back last year in September. Well, we're not even in August, and the Cards are, I think, four back, four and a half back from the Pirates. So, you know, that's it's not quite a toss-up, but it's certainly uh, they could overcome the Pirates. And then if that were to happen, you do have other teams out there who are competing for the race, although we are down to really maybe eight teams for five spots. So, you know, the field has narrowed. What are your thoughts on where they are and can they get there with this team? They certainly can. They certainly have given themselves a great chance, but I, I don't think they could feel good about it given that, you know, it, at this point it looks like the Reds are a better team than they are, and the Reds also have a very weak schedule. Said that there's going to be a bunch of a bunch of teams being competitive for the wild card spots. Also, you know, as much as we you know would would freak out and get excited if the Pirates made the playoffs, the wild card spots are no prize. You know, you have to play a one game playoff just for the chance to to go on to the next round, and so. You know, I would I would really want them to win the division if they can. 
because that that just gives them such a better chance going forward. They don't have to do a, basically a coin flip for their for their life in the playoffs at the end of it. And can you imagine how frustrating it would be if the if the Pirates were to win a wild card, lose the one game playoff, and then they're out of the playoffs? No, I don't. I mean, it would just be devastating. No, I think every fan, every pirate fan in the world, would take that for right, right now, today. Oh, well, uh, okay, but I mean, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, I think that's that's awful, and it, you don't want to have a situation where you're you're looking back at what happened this year, and then maybe you know next year they don't they don't they don't all play up to expectations, and Burnett's not as good as he was, or whatever, and then all of a sudden they have a losing team again, so they're right back to to you know having losing seasons again, and and all they got, uh, you know, they went to the playoffs, and all they got was that lousy T-shirt or whatever. Well, but uh, you know, I I think they're not sacrificing anything to get there. I mean, if if it's you know we're, right. we're not talking about trading uh, you know Neil Walker or something or some outrageous you know idea to get there. So if they get there, they get there. Um, and, and that's, I think you just, it's just a, it's a, it's a picnic, man. Just have a big party. They got there and, and hope things work out next year and keep working to improve the club and move hand to hand in the off season and do the things that you got to do to make it so you can get there for the next three years. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I you know, I'll just flat out say, I think I got a lot of the individual things right about this team this year, but I've gotten the record completely wrong. Like most people, which, you know, I just step back and go, in fact, I was, I was driving yesterday and I was thinking about of some of the things that I said at the beginning of the season. And I said, I thought Yamaiko Navarro would be the Pirates' starting shortstop in September. Well, essentially, that idea was completely correct. I mean, Clint Barmas has been a disaster, so I picked a guy who would be starting at shortstop. I said, you know, Presley would have a better year than Tabata. Well, that was right, too. But, <laughs> you know, I, I love the pick acquisitions of Bedard and, and A.J. Burnett. And, you know, that's re- been reasonably right. And and uh, I thought the Pirates should have kept Cedeno and, and Mahalam, and I'm I'm not sure that's actually wrong. And yet this team has, and so I was just trying to think. Uh, you know, I still thought they were going to win in the low 70s, and now it looks like they're going to win maybe in the mid 80s. Uh, so what did I get so wrong? And I was thinking, what's the biggest difference? And I wanted to break out Andrew McCutcheon's line this year versus last year. Mm-hmm. And if you throw in, let's say at the end of the year, you throw in 80 points of batting average, you throw in you know 80 points of on base percentage. You throw in 100 points of slugging, and you put in all these things. And the difference between the season Andrew McCutcheon had last year versus the one he had this year would be like Clint Barmas having a Neil Walker-type year. And yeah, wow. I mean, you're right. I mean, we, we you know, the the idea is that, you know, you, we think like, oh, Andrew, Andrew McCutcheon, we knew he was going to be this. We knew he was going to be good. But, you know, this good, you know, it's, it really makes a difference when you're performing at such an elite level. Um, in addition to that, the Pirates have had, you know, we expected Burnett with the transition to the National League and the PNC Park to be good, but I don't think we expected him to be this good. You know, I, I expected that that McDonald would take a step forward, but I, I didn't expect that it would be this big. Uh, and, you know, you got all these hitters, too, who are just, I think, performing at, at pretty much the peak of their abilities, or at least better than we would have expected. I mean, Walker is one of them. Walker uh, and McHenry have to just jump off the page. I yeah, mean, McHenry, absolutely. Particularly since Walker, you know, really through, you know, the, toward the end of May, really hadn't done much. I mean, what he's done in, in June, July, June and July has really been elite, elite level stuff. I mean, he's been great. Yeah, and uh, the defense has really been pretty nice, too. I mean, I think he's played better than, there than I thought he could play. Pedro Alvarez, too, better on both sides of the ball than I thought he would be. But again, the one that... that that completely makes the difference is, is Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah, and I, I just as much as he gets talked about in the national media, I think you know if you took if you took uh, 
if you took Clint Bomber's production and, and uh, moved it up to kind of Neil Walker level production, uh, that's almost the difference. And uh, and you can just imagine how good this team would be if Clint Bomber's were also producing like Neil Walker. I mean, they'd be good. Uh, God knows how much better they'd be. Two questions as we close things up, Charlie. Uh, can the Pirates? And I, I've been you know ridden Bomber's all year long. And uh, been critical of his defense, but I think his defense the past month has been excellent. Can the Pirates continue to trot him out there every day? They might not have a choice. Um, no. You know, I, I don't. I'm not totally sure what what the what the options even are. I mean, we've heard some names. Uh, you know, at shortstop, you know, Escobar, Stephen Drew. I'm not sure. You know, if any of those guys get moved, but it's just so bad. I mean, you you can't. You know, a contender is just not supposed to have somebody with a 48 OPS plus right. be able to accumulate all these plate appearances. And I, th- I think actually Grant Brisby said the other day that they're, you know, they're just basically giving away games by doing this. So if there's anything that can be done, you'd, you'd like to hope that they can they can do it. It's 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 too bad. That, well, I mean, you know, his, his defense has been really good. So there's the temptation to leave him there and hope that he gets better. But. I don't really see it. I mean, the, the at-bats he's taking are just terrible. And, and even the hits he's getting are pitches where he's, he's you know, they're eight inches out of the strike zone. He's lunging to hit them and almost falling over. And they and they are like soft fly balls that land in the shallow outfield. I mean, I don't know how many hits he's had like that. He's having just a terrible year offensively, and he's really earned that 48 OPS plus. He has, and that's 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 right. I think that's the right idea. I guess the second thing is, regardless of whether they get a deal done here, when does Neil Huntington make some of these bench moves uh, and, and adjust the 40-man roster? Does he have to wait till September 1st? Or yeah, obviously with the caveat, if something happens at the deadline, it's going to change the scenario. But um, is is Jeff Clement coming up or is, uh, is somebody else uh, coming up out of the pen? I mean, I, I don't think moving a guy off the 40-man at this point is that much of an issue. They've got guys to move off the 40-man, whether it be Matt Haig, whether it be uh, uh, Daniel McCutcheon, there, there are spots open, but uh, Casey McGee has been a disaster against right-handed pitching, and Garrett Jones has been very good. You know, let's not undersell what Garrett Jones has done. Can, is it time to make that move if nothing gets done here? To, to bring up Clement? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, you know, I'm going to say yes, but Huntington has had these chances before, yeah. and. You know he hasn't he hasn't done it, so he must have his reasons for not doing it. And I, you know, that'll probably continue. I would think. Yep. And um, that, it's kind of a drag, but but that's that seems to be the way it is. All right. Well, I'll close you out. Were you were you surprised that Marte came up when he did, or it was you know I mean it, it was kind of a, almost at that point a perfect swarm of events. Pirates going on the road, going to Houston, not getting production from the outside guys, less pressure maybe in Houston. Was it the right time essentially? I think you can look at their reasoning and say it, it it made sense. I mean, you know, you and I, I think, would have preferred to see him up there a little bit earlier. But, it, you know, given – I mean, the timing was good. Uh, they, he basically got his first series in the majors against, you know, a really bad team, a really bad pitching staff. And, you know, on the road against small crowds, I mean, it was probably as close to a AAA atmosphere as the Pirates are likely to get the rest <laughs> of the season. Right. So you know, from that perspective, yeah, I think it was fine. But uh, you, are you are you still are you still a little bit miffed that he wasn't he wasn't up there sooner? 
No, I wasn't really miffed. I mean, I kind of, I was kind of rolling along with it as it was because the Pirates were winning games, and I, I think you know, as I said, there, there's no meat thermometer to put in the guy and know exactly when he's done. And the Pirates mm-hmm. had done when they came off that trip and and pounded the Astros and won some, a bunch of games. I think it was fine. I think once you started losing a few games, then yeah, I think you had to go to the move. Again, I, I, I think that. I think it's great that Marte actually hit a home run on his first pitch, not only for his own personal joy and comfort and everything like that, but because that's just gonna that's what pirate fans are gonna remember for a long time. So if he goes 0 for 20, they're still gonna remember that. So he can have an extended uh, down period, and I don't think it's really gonna the psyche of the fans is gonna uh, change to have a, a backlash against him. But you know, at the end of the day, I don't think he's gonna be the answer that puts this team over the top either this this season. No, I think he's. I think he's helpful. I think he's definitely helpful defensively, and he can be helpful um, offensively too. But I still want to see some other move for for a player who plays a corner. You know, simply so we don't have situations. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm still not really sold on Presley at all. And at this point, I mean, you know, McCutcheon took a day off the other day, and and McGee is back in the lineup against righties. If there's a way to avoid that, I mean, if, if there's one thing we know about McGee at this point. He, he he can't hit righties, so something something to be done to fix that and to to you know eliminate the possibility that we ever see Drew Sutton in the outfield again. That would be great. Right. So you know we talked about these seven games on the road here before they go to Cincinnati on Friday. Very important. Uh, they didn't play pretty baseball in Houston, but they won three of them. They get the Cubs in Chicago, three game series. They lost two or three in Pittsburgh. You'd hate to see them kind of go and lose two out of three or get swept in Chicago. Uh, going into Cincinnati because the Reds without Joey Votto have been the best team in baseball over the last two weeks and and uh, Joey Votto is starting to resume baseball activities. I don't think he'll be back for the Pirate series, but he's not far off. You'd hate to get kind of five or six games back after that Red series before the Pirates get back home. One thing that that uh, Buck Daddy on on uh, Buck's dugout has pointed out is that the the Cubs, you know, for a bad team, they have a pretty good rotation, and so it makes them kind of dangerous to face um, at times. Because you know you might have to face a couple of pretty good starting pitchers, but in this series uh, it's going to be a little bit different. They have Justin Germano, who is you know basically a, a minor league veteran, going out there tonight. Then they have Ryan Dempster, if Ryan Dempster is still with the team at at this point tomorrow, going out on Tuesday, which I'm I'm kind of skeptically will be, and then Travis Wood. So this is going to be a, a you know a weaker. The, the Cubs are going to be sending out a weaker team than they typically do or that they have in the recent past. Um, so hopefully, you know, whatever the Pirates' problems might be right now, uh, they can regroup and wheel off at least a couple of wins in the series. Yeah, and Charlie, I can't close. I got one more topic. I forgot. Oh. And, you know, I think this is actually worth a, a little bit of discussion. Pedro Siriaco has been ridiculously good. <laughs> For Boston, and I put up his numbers the other day on Twitter. At the time, I think I put up his career numbers, and of course, he you know twenty some at bats with the Pirates or whatever it is. But he's now had a hundred major league at bats, and he's got like a a, a three fifty batting average and an eight fifty OPS in a hundred major league at bats. And he made a sterling play defensively yesterday. That I saw the highlights uh, against the Yankees on on Sports Center. Here's my question. I'm not so much annoyed that Pedro Siriaco is doing well for the Red Sox. I'm annoyed that the Pirates clearly had, you know, in hindsight, a, a, a disdain for Ronnie Cedeno. And when you're 20 games under 500 in September last year, why wasn't Pedro Siriaco starting, you know, 20 games in September? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm not inclined. You know, the typing sound you heard in the background a few minutes ago was me going to Pedro Siriaco's baseball reference page because yeah. – 
because you know I, I I just don't know. I mean, I think that his minor league track record is pretty well established, and that you know he's basically a, a shortstop who can't hit. And a hundred, you know, however many it's what he's had 105 total plate appearances in his major league career at this point. That doesn't really change anything, and and you know strange things can happen in sample sizes that small, and you know you don't. Yeah, clearly they didn't like Cedeno, but that doesn't mean that just any guy in the minors deserves a shot. And, I, you know, to me, it, it, Pedro Siriaco is just any guy. I mean, he's just a random AAA player to me. All right, fair enough. He's having a hot streak with Boston. We'll see if it continues. Something to keep an eye on. A lot of things out there. Charlie and I will be back with you uh, later in the week if something gets done. If nothing gets done here before the trade deadline, uh, we'll look to have Wilbur Miller join us and have a minor league report probably at the end of the week. All right, make sure you're following Charlie on Twitter at Bucks Dugout. You can follow me at DT on Pirates. And as always, thanks for listening to the Bucks Dugout podcast.